The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Expensive Words Podcast, a.k.a. Literary Symmetry Instagram Live. Uh, Either you're watching or listening right now, and you're probably thinking, yes, I am pumped. I cannot wait to get into Story Boot Camp episode number three. And to that, I'm going to say, I'm not going to do that episode today, but today's episode will still be great, and I'm going to uh, torture you in a good way. But um, I did not have time to write today. I had to take my kids to the dentist. I had to, like, walk my son through his first full day of remote learning, which there's no way. (laughs) There's no way he could have done it by himself. Uh, So, you know, I have to, like, figure things out. And I will tell you that one of my kids had two cavities, but I'm not going to tell you which one. You can guess, but I will tell you it's probably not the one that you think. And with that, I would like to get into what I'm going to call Shameless Self-Promotion Monday. Is it Monday? I feel like it's Monday. <laughs> that's that's where we are. That's where I'm at in my life right now. Uh, where I want to talk to you about Story Filters, which is live, which is amazing, which you can go get for free at LiterarySymmetry.com slash Story Filters. Forward slash Story Filters. But uh, I know that you might be thinking... Kristen, why do you want me to go get this thing? Like, you don't actually get anything from it. You're giving it away for free. And to that, I would say, yes, I am giving it away for free. But why? Why am I doing that? Because I'm going to give you an example. I'm finally going to uh, read you part of Cash Crash Jubilee by Eli K.P. William. This book was a literal disappointment, like a huge disappointment. And I'm going to help you understand why I was so disappointed because I'm going to read you the synopsis and then I'm going to read you the first two pages and I'm going to prove to you why Eli K.P. William needs story filters and why you need story filters, why I need story filters. And uh, just so you have like an idea of what story filters is, I'm going to tell you the, the text that you're going to see if you go to, to literarysymmetry.com forward slash story filters, which is learn. Look, I have, a, I have a little post-it note here. If you can't look, you can listen. Learn how to write like a best-selling author in just one lesson with story filters and stop doing the one thing readers hate most. Whether you write fiction or nonfiction, this breakthrough framework will teach you which details matter to your story. Oh, you guys, Maria's here. Hi, Maria. (sighs) I wish she could talk. We're going to figure that out soon because she needs to be on the show. All right. Also, 
This is the last part. Are you struggling to figure out how many details and which details to include in your writing? Stop trying to fake it until you make it. Sign up for Story Filters today and get the answers you need. Right? Okay, so just go do it. And if you're like, I'm not sure, Kristen. I don't think I need Story Filters. Uh, first of all, I don't know why you sound that way and why I'm making you sound that way. But by the end of today, you are going to for real understand why we all need story filters. And, um, so why not, why, why delay any further? Why delay any further? We're going to jump right in to Cash Crash Jubilee. I'm going to read you the synopsis and you're going to be like, dang, this book sounds amazing. Because it does. And then I'm going to prove to you why it's not amazing, which is sad for everyone. Sad for me because I bought this book, which uh, full price was $25.99. Who can pay $25.99 to be so disappointed? Huh? Huh? Who can? Not this lady because I bought it on sale, but still. All right. Okay. It says it's science fiction. It says it's $25.99. For those of you who are listening, you can't see. But for those of you who are watching, I'm showing you what it looks like. Okay? All right. A cyber dystopian world unlike any other. Okay, I'm going to use my uh, audiobook narration voice. Are you ready? In a near future Tokyo, every action, from blinking to sexual intercourse, is intellectual property owned by corporations that charge licensing fees. If any of you are like, this sounds kind of like that one Black Mirror episode. You're right, it does. Also, that episode is freaky and amazing at the same time. A body bank computer system implanted in each citizen records their movements from move moment to moment and connects them to audio visual, the audio visual overlay of the imminent. Also, this synopsis, I mean, it sounds interesting. It's not that well written. Like, I'm having a hard time reading it. It's clunky. So that every inch of the metropolis crawls with information and shifting cinematic pro, pro, promotainment. There's a made-up word in there that I'm sure is part of the world building. I'll just give you, like, a really quick hint right here. Do not include made-up words from your world building in your synopsis because the reader, like, this is your marketing, okay? And they're going to be like, uh, I don't know what that word means. Also, you can hear, like, the clicking. I don't know if you can hear the clicking. It looks like you can, kind of. That is my heater because it is cold. It was snowing earlier. Emon, I'm going to butcher these names, by the way. Emon Kenzaki works as a liquidator for the Global Action Transaction Authority. Bad, that's a bad name. His job is to capture bankrupt citizens, remove their body bank, and banish them to bank death camps, where they are forever cut off from the action transaction economy. Emon always plays by the rules and is steadily climbing the liquidation ministry ladder. Do you, hear, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, there's too many things that we don't know what they are because they're part of world building. You don't put these things in your synopsis. The synopsis is to sell your book. You need to use familiar language. With his savings accumulating another and another promotion just around the corner, everything seems to be going well until he is asked to cash crash a charismatic politician and a model citizen soon after he is charged for an incredibly expensive action called Jubilee, which 
That's in the that's in the title. We don't know what that means. That he is sure he never performed. We still don't know what it means. To restore balance to his account, Amon must unravel the secret of Jubilee, but quickly finds himself asking dangerous questions about the system to which he's devoted his life, and the costly investigation only drags him closer and closer to the pit of bankruptcy. Maria, are you still there? Are you listening to this book synopsis? Let me know. Let me know. I can see you. In Cash Crash Jubilee, book one of the Jubilee cycle, debut novelist Eli K.P. William wields the incisive power of speculative fiction to show how, in a world of corporate finance run amok, one man will do everything for the sake of truth and justice. And, um, yeah, as, as you can guess, like, this series never got finished because it's not good. Like, someone paid so much money to publish this. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, like, and it's an interesting premise, right? Like, you if you like Black Mirror, you watch the whole episode. I watched the whole episode. I was like, this is really freaking me out, but I can't look away. But when I was reading this book, I was like, mm, I could definitely look away. So what we're going to talk about is how to understand which details should stay in your story and which details should go. Should I stay or should I go now, right? Okay which I have been watching that show on HGTV, and I love it, and I wish it could have bangs like the person on that show. But my hair is curly. My hair is, like, way curlier than what you see if you're watching. I use, like, a wand to decurl it some so that it can look like how it looks right now. It looked way better earlier, but then snow got on it, and now it's a little bit frizzy. Uh, so you're like, okay. Kristen, you told us that this book has an interesting premise, right? I mean, it's interesting. Like, think about if everything you thought of could get, uh, like, put up for everyone to see. First of all, gross. I would never want that. And second of all, like, I was interested in the commercial aspect because I'm like, so if you think something, like, if I thought about McDonald's right now, which I only like their breakfast. I don't like anything else from there. And then McDonald's was like, oh, she thought about McDonald's. Uh, I'm going to charge her for that thought. To me, that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting idea. And um, I was like, okay, let's try it. But because I bought this book and it was so awful, I had to make a new rule for myself, which is how one of the reasons I figured out how to create story filters is that I read the first two pages of the book well, in this case, I would read the first two because it has, like, the drop-down page. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's got that really big chapter heading and then, like, two-thirds of the page is blank. And so uh, I would read the first two pages of this book. And if this, if in the first two pages they break any one of the rules, not only in story filters but in write this way, which tells you the six things that readers hate, including this reader, uh, then I don't buy it. That's my new rule. So if you're like, Kristen, I want you to read my story. Well, don't break any other rules and I'll read your story. But if you want me to help you not break the rules, you can get story filters for free and you can get right this way for the super reasonable price of $37. And it includes a ton of free stuff also. Like, it's just a really good deal. So, okay, we're going to read. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, listen. I want you to listen for where... The author gives any details that don't seem important. Okay? I don't, I don't know what the knocking is up there. I feel like my kids are doing something. I don't know. I, this is the only time I've been in my office all day. Like, if they could just 
behave for like the 20 minutes it takes me to record the show, that would be awesome. Maria's like throwing some hearts my way because she's like, I know Kristen had a crappy day today. All right. Okay. We're, are you ready? The first chapter is called Ammon's Apartment, which really we don't talk that much about his apartment. The chapter name is lame. A plane of darkness descended on the room for an instant, blacking out the hazy image of a man sitting in a garden, like a curtain falling on a mid-performance stage. And you're going to figure out that all this confounded language he's using is just to talk about blinking. And you're going to be like, really? Really? Why? Why would you do that? Okay. These fleeting slivers of absence came and went intermittently, relentlessly, and Amon Kenzaki did his best to fight them off for as long as he could bear, in the hopes of filling his bank account. But it wasn't easy, even for him. For the umpteenth time... Why? Why? No, don't use the word umpteenth. Just don't use that word, okay? The man in the garden said, Blinking is money. Blinking is choice. Blink less to save yourself, to save yourself, to save your money. He extended the final vowel, humming it in monotone until his voice grew crackly and he ran out of breath. Oh, I hit my, I hit my stand. For those of you listening, the video just went all crazy because I hit my stand. Uh, okay. Sitting alone on a chair in his apartment, Ammon was taking an online blink reduction seminar. Do you see? That whole thing was about blinking. By mastering the simple method, the promotional video had promised students could reduce their number of blinks per minute and, with daily practice, retrain their eyelids until blinking less frequently became automatic. The man in the garden was called the guru. No one seemed to care if he had another name, least of all Anna. Then why are we talking about it? If no one cares, why are we even mentioning it? On Like, this is... Do you see? Do you see where I'm reading? If you're listening, I'm reading the first page. This is like prime writing real estate. You have this tiny little chunk to prove to the reader why they should listen to your book, why they should spend their money on your book, why they should trust you with their eyeballs and their money and their reading souls, okay? Like, no, if something's not worth caring about to the character, don't write about it in the book, especially on the first page. I really wanted to like this book, by the way. I really did. Okay. He had richly tanned skin and long silken hair tied in a ponytail. He sat on an emerald green rug, his legs crossed with each foot resting on the opposite thigh, his hands stacked palms down on his lap, and his eyes half closed. Does that sound like enough of a description for someone we're probably never going to see again in this book? <gasps> well, there's more, okay? A gray shawl with a pattern of lustrous burgundy stitching looping elegantly along at the edges was wrapped diagonally over his right shoulder and around his waist. Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? In front of him was a still clear pond behind lush ferns bowed out of porcelain flower pots the size of kegs. What? Why? The pond reflected the guru's seated form along the garden background. The reflection and the original evenly split Anon's visual field top to bottom, forming a symmetrical double image like a mandala. This scene was projected for Ammon on his eye screen, a display integrated with his eyes appearing as a semi-transparent overlay on the cream-colored walls of his room. Every time he blinked, it appeared for a fraction of a second and returned. 
Find the space without space where the eyelids meet the brow, said the guru. Then in the emptiness you will find the frugal mind, the parsim... I can never say this word. Parsimonious mind. Oh, I did it. The credible mind. No, no, don't do this. Do you see? Do you see? The repetition has no purpose. Amon sat motionless on a fold-up chair with his spine straight, his feet flat on the floor, and his palms resting on his thighs while listening intently to the lesson. We know he's listening, right? We know that. Do we need to have that written here? I mean, and that's like one of the tiny things I could pick apart. Okay, I'm just going to keep reading. As instructed, he focused on the top of his eyelids. The trick was to keep the eyes open until they felt dry, but close them just before they started to sting. Close too early, and the time until the next blink would be that much shorter. Wait too long, and the body would detect strain and compensate by making the eyes more sensitive, hastening the onset of stinging in the next blink cycle and spurring a premature shut. But with consummate timing, the duration of the dry sensation could be extended to its limit, and with successful repetition, the eyes would gradually adjust, incrementally postponing stinging and lengthening the period between each blink nanosecond by nanosecond. Why? Half a paragraph on the science of blinking. Do you, do you understand by now that he's trying not to blink as often? Do you feel irritated that the author is, like, smushing this in your face over and over and over again when you're just trying to get to the part about why you care about the story. After a few minutes of silence, the guru repeated his mantra, blinking is money, blinking is choice. Oh, I lost my place. Blink less to save yourself, to save yourself, to save your money. Many voices joined in unison with the guru, layering over and amplifying his voice. Unlike the other students participating from their various locations, Amon remained silent. The website audio settings made the guru's voice loudest, and the heavy, heavily accented Japanese he spoke stood out in the mix. It was difficult for Amon to identify what kind of accent. It might have been Indian. It might have been Chinese. It might have also been German or a hybrid of all three. Whatever the origin, distinctive pronunciation and intonation uh, endowed the guru with a certain exotic authority as though coming from a distant, undefined land were a prerequisite to be an authentic master of... Oh, as though coming from a distant, undefined land were a prerequisite to be an authentic master of frugality. The guru went quiet, leaving the students to chant without him. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready? You're like, Kristen, you can't possibly slay this thing any more than you already did. But you're wrong. I can. What do we know about the main character? Come on, Maria, play along. I can see you. What do we know about the main character? We just read two pages. What do we know about him? We know he lives in a cream-colored apartment and that he's watching a video to try to stop himself from blinking so much. Oh, someone's going to interrupt my call right now. Timo. It's okay. Come say hi. It's all right. Come here. Come say hi. This is Timo. He's my youngest. He's a pretty great little guy. What do you want to say? Say hi. Hello. We're talking about stories. What's your favorite story? 
I think my would mine would. They can't be, see you. You have to lean oh, in. Sorry. I think mine would be Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Rodal. What do you know about Charlie right away? Tell me what you know about Charlie right away in the story. Well, pretty much his character trait is like nice, caring. He's caring, and yeah. he's super poor, right? Yeah. And does that make you root for him right away? No. I mean, like, you want him to succeed, right? That's what yeah. root for means. So oh. <laughs> are you rooting for him right away? Yeah. Okay. If you didn't know anything about him, do you think you would be able to root for him? Would you care about him if you didn't know anything about him? I don't know. If you if you didn't know how nice he was, would you care about him? Uh, I wouldn't. No. See? He gets it. He gets it. All right. Let me finish my episode, and I'll be upstairs, okay? Okay. Close bye. the door, please. Timo said bye. <sighs> Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. He's, he says you should subscribe to my YouTube channel. Thank you, buddy. He's very concerned that I only have four subscribers. I'm like, that's not my game right now, buddy. I'm trying to hit Instagram. But anyways, he really likes YouTube. So, uh, yes, Maria said that we know nothing about the character. I'm like, yep. That's that's right. See, Timo was like, well, we Charlie's really nice, so we care about him. But do we know anything about this guy? No, we know more. We 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 know more about the guru whose name we don't care about. That's what the author told us, right? That we shouldn't care. And about what he looks like, we have no idea what the protagonist looks like. We have no idea what's at stake for him. We have no idea uh, why he does what he does, what motivates him, why we should care about him. It's not, it's bad, all right? And that's why you need story filters. I need story filters because we need to know which details matter. And I've developed a really great framework that will tell, that will help you do it every time. Whenever someone reads story filters, they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I know, right? Because that's how I felt when I figured it out. Um, yeah, Maria's like, money. Why? Why? And I understand. Listen, I get it, okay? Eli K.P. William, if you ever hear this podcast or you ever watch this Instagram video and you're like, Kristen, you're mean to me. Uh, I would help you. I would have helped you. Like, if I were your, if I had been your editor, I would have helped you make this a great book. But whoever your editor was, Whoever acquired this manuscript, they did not give you the help you needed because it is an interesting idea. So I understand why it got acquired, but it's just there's not enough there. I mean, you have to. I always talk about this, right? And people are like, do I really have to show the reader what's going on within the first few pages? Yes, you have to. And this is why. Uh, I'm going to grab a book off my bookshelf. We're going to be impromptu. Yeah, I'll grab this one. I was thinking about grabbing The Sun is Also a Star, because but that that starts off in a very interesting way. And I know Maria's reading this book, and she's probably taking a break from it because it's long. It's really long, but it's worth it. Okay? All right? It even has a list of characters because that's how many characters there are in this book, which is In the Unlikely Event by Judy Bloom. And I'm just going to read you one paragraph, okay? Even now, she can't decide. She thinks about flipping a coin. 
Head she goes, tail she stays. But isn't indecisiveness an early sign of mental illness? Didn't she cover a story about that a few years ago? Or is it that she's conflicted? Conflicted is better than indecisive. Why is she thinking this way? A voice inside her head says, you know damn well why. See, that's good. I want to know. Is she mentally ill? Where is she going to go? Obviously, there's a lot at stake. I don't know exactly what that is yet, but in the next paragraph, you're going to see what it is. <laughs> Judy Bloom. I mean, this is like Judy Bloom's piece de resistance, right? That's the last book she, she wrote. I think it will be the last book she ever writes. I don't blame her because it took her four years to write it. Um, but that's the difference. You want that engagement right away. And... You know, I don't think that if you sat down with Judy Bloom, she would say, hey, follow this framework and you can write like I can. Although I have learned a lot from her. I did take her master class. But if you go get story filters, it's going to help you understand how to do what I just read to you that Judy Bloom did and how to avoid doing what we see in Cash Crash Jubilee and don't confuse the reader because confused readers do what? They stop reading. That's right. They stop reading. And that's why we don't want to confuse them. That's why we don't want to have all these details that that get stuck in their hand. They're like, why, author, would you tell me this when it doesn't matter? So, um, yeah, I mean, you can understand why Cash Crash Jubilee was disappointing to me, especially because I was like, yes, this is going to be kind of like Ready Player One. Um, but it was nothing like Ready Player One. And Ready Player One is great. The book is great. The movie is trash. That is a very important distinction. If you come to me and be like, I watched the movie, Kristen, it wasn't that good. No, it's awful. It doesn't make any sense. Go read the book. And Maria is the one who told me to read Ready Player One the first time. And I was like, dang, this is awesome. So... That's what I have today. I implore you to please check out Story Filters, literarysymmetry.com forward slash Story Filters, and to see for yourself what this framework can do for your writing so that you can avoid being Eli K.P. William. And like I said, Eli, I'm rooting for you, dude. Write me. I'll help you out. Judy Bloom, if you're listening to this, well done. You're a master. More than a master. Maria, thank you for tuning in and cheering me on because you know I'm tired. It's 5 o'clock. I get to stop working now, but I have to go make dinner. So that's the kind of life I'm living. Mom life, boss life. Remember, it is never too late to write the story of your heart. Happy writing. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. Happy writing.